having a hard time. I forgot what I wanted to say time. with this. <laughs> Don't get mad! <laughs> Alright, let's do this again. I'm Jana Murashtigi. And I'm Laura Empana. And this is Not Loud Enough, a podcast where we, two very good friends, talk about feminism, migration and culture in our daily lives. There's a storm outside, and the, the, you should see the cat now. The eyes are like, oh, what's happening? It's also here. It's super gray and raining, and it's afternoon now, but it looks like almost evening. Mm. So, yeah, here too. It's really not. It's a kind of weather when you don't want to do anything. Exactly. You don't, you, feel, you don't feel like working. You don't feel like really nothing. You just want to open Netflix and watch stupid things on Netflix. Not even it's what I've been work. doing. It's yeah. what I've been doing. It's my mood. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and good. it worries me. It's like, this is how I start the new year. But uh, <laughs> well, where is the energy? But I think it's, uh, it's also important to allow ourselves to be tired or exhausted yeah. if we feel like... Then the New Year's just came over me. But nevertheless, in between, I had the moments of, of joy and excitement and excitement for everything that's going to come in the New Year and all, all the plans that I have and thoughts for, for new projects and new collaborations and, and so on. Very soon, I'll start my travels. On 15th of January, I'm yes. actually flying to Amsterdam. Yes, we're going to reunite. I'm so yes. looking forward to that. I've been, I really miss you. I have to say, it's nice to talk on FaceTime, Skype, yes. whatever, to, to exchange every day on WhatsApp. I love that. But <laughs> it's different to, to me to be next to Not, each other. Nothing beats the, the, the physical presence, right? Exactly. And I want us to go see some exhibitions together, exhibitions yeah. that we'll talk about in the next episode of the podcast or one of the next episodes because these are really interesting topics, uh, all the topics we care about. And we're going to watch Grace and Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> the new series that are not yet on, on Netflix Austria. No, so. 19 January it's coming to Netflix. 19 January. Ah, okay. Yes, it's, it's not here yet. It's if, not, otherwise, I would, I would binge watch it already. Are you crazy? I wouldn't wait for you. <laughs> hey, you said we would watch it together. Yep. What's this now? <laughs> So, did you sign up for that dating site I signed you up for? Yes! And oddly enough, I didn't find the love of my life on hippieroundup.com. Hey, hon. Who's that? Cherie. She's been doing my nails for 20 years. Can I give you a hug? <laughs> it's a good thing I'm not allergic to rhinestones. Oh, that is a good thing. Ah! Oh, 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 ah! What the hell is going on here? How was your, your end of the year? I know that you've been quite... 
busy as well and you've been working 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 all the time it's been very exciting actually for me because i'm working on a book wow <laughs> yes i'm writing a book i've been translating lots of books i've been doing lots of writing but it's the first time i'm doing like a full-length book and my own book and it's a completely different process than anything else i've done before yeah. because when you translate a book you have the material. The material is there. So you have to work with the material that exists. And it takes a lot of time, of course. It is very yeah, time-consuming, energy-consuming, uh, emotionally very... It drains you. So yes, all these I experienced already a lot. But writing a full-length book is not the same as writing even long-form essays, which I've done a lot before. But I just realized how obsessed I am with editing. About? With, with editing. editing. Yeah. Because and, and I, 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 I suppose this is a good thing, like, because every time everybody says you need to cut, 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 cut. So yeah, I, I cut a lot because I'm used to actually. I just realized I'm really used to edit other people's work, yeah. and I'm very harsh with my own work. And I'm like, why is this sentence there? Cut. And I, I don't think like, oh no, I want to keep. I'm like, why do you repeat yeah. the same thing? Cut. You don't need that. Yeah. Cut. Nobody wants to know that. Cut. <laughs> so. Are you keeping a version of the cuts as well? Because this yeah. is what I sometimes do. <laughs> Thanks to Time Machine on the computer, I have access to all my, all my versions. I also realize, you know, I, I, I edit this podcast and I also edit videos. I usually like, you know, how, I, how picky I am, even when I edit the podcast. I, I over edit sometimes and I do the same with my video editing. I really like short to go to the point. And I have this work process, and this may sound completely crazy and, and completely... Please do share. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've seen, I've posted some pictures on my Instagram and Facebook. I have this huge sketchbook and mm -hmm. I've printed my manuscript <laughs> and I'm pasting, liter I'm literally doing copy pasting, <laughs> real life, you know, analog style. And some doodling in between. Yeah, and I started collaging because, you know, I do, I do collage. I've been doing collage great. for a long time, since yeah. I, I was a kid, actually. So I'm doing this collaging and, and correcting on the page mm -hmm. and cutting stuff. And once the analog version, the sketchbook version is done, I go back to the computer and then I correct in the computer. I copy paste, I put in the right order. And it takes, of course, a ridiculous amount of time to yeah. do this. I mean, but it did help me a lot in my thinking and it did help me when I get blocked you know then I'm like what am I gonna do this is horrible or, or when I get all these feelings of insecurity like nobody's gonna want to read this this is horrible why would people be interested in my story about translation and languages it's supposed to be a non-fiction book but I realized that I I kind of play a lot with reality <laughs> with your biography too right it's yeah I mean it's the basic idea of the book is that one translates with with their biography so my biography mm -hmm. is why I'm translating yeah it's a process actually writing is a process it's painful of course. it's also painful I have to say it's not always joyful you're like why am I doing this why why am I writing and then you're like I can cannot I can't not right right like, yeah I, you, you, on that one hand you have this urge you have to mm -hmm. do it and on the other hand you're like I could just watch Netflix instead of doing this <laughs> 
and I'm torn between all these feelings, but it's good because I feel I'm growing. I feel that I'm growing. So it's a book about uh, why you do what you do, why you translate. Yes. Yeah. And I'm hugely inspired by a book called European Others yeah. by Fatima El Tayeb. It's in my library too, and <laughs> it's, it's there waiting. Did you have this idea before to write about it? Yes. Well, I mean, about I, this subject? I, I wrote a lot about what translation means to me and how it comes from who I am, but also why I care about certain topics like resistance, politics, you know, mm -hmm. lots of issues we discuss here, immigration, yeah. uh, representations, true storytelling of different voices. I realize I've been doing it through translation a lot, through the choices I make when I translate, how I translate, what kind of translation I do, what strategies I use when I translate, why do I do workshops and events, why do I do the, the videos I do, why I wrote different articles for different platforms in English. And yeah. there was an interest in English about this, especially when I was a translator in residence at Free Word Center in London in 2013, working with the organization around freedom of expression, you know, taking the, the point of view from Turkey, translating voices from Turkey. And now that I do it in, in French, I had to translate lots of things from English well, to French voila. as well. So I was, uh, while writing uh -oh. this, I was translating as well. I was translating myself. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's easier to translate somebody else. <laughs> yes, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, the, this year starts with uh, a lot of uh, excitement in It, a way, a lot of work too, but... Yeah, I started the first day, you know, I went to read some poetry. Exactly. Tell me about that. How was it? <laughs> so it was nice. It was really great. So it was at a cafe called Labyrinth here in Amsterdam. They organized. Was... Yeah, we were there together. We were there together. We also, uh, we were on the stage together there, so to say. Yes, remember. Last year. Yeah, last, last year. year we were, you talked about Migration Lab there yeah. and I talked about City in Translation. Exactly. Yeah. So this time it was an open mic, one of their open mic events. And I read one poem and uh, I started writing poetry. <laughs> this is crazy. It's, I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> But yes, I did. I, 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 and I'm yeah. writing regularly even. I started making this a practice. Just, it's a different way of writing and thinking. I really like of it. Of course. And But what I, what I like as well is that you take the courage to take your poems out of your home And go out there and just read it loud, out loud in front of, of people. Wonderful. Thank you. It's, it's a bit scary, I have to say. Because yeah, I know. Po poetry comes from a deeper place yeah. even. And it's painful. It's also, you know, I was saying this writing was painful. But this is really like another level of pain. Because you get things out and you like... And you don't say everything in a poem. It's not... I mean, I leave it to a bit of uh, interpretation. And that's what I like about poetry. When I tr I've translated a lot of poetry. And I guess that's why maybe uh, I felt like I, I wanted to try it myself. You mm -hmm. know, when you translate a lot, you, you learn how with different kinds of poetry poetry can work and there are you know again there are millions of ways of doing things it's not just I was afraid in the beginning like oh no I cannot say I'm writing poetry only I don't know who can write po poetry yeah. you know you have you put this on a pedestal and you're like yes you think about people like Paul Celan and you know and you yeah say, oh, if 
I can never top that. Of course, I can never top that. I mean, but why should I think like that? You know, I, I, there are other ways of sharing your thoughts, your process, your yes. feelings. And I think this is what I've started doing now. And writing this book helped me think about that. I'm going to stop thinking and measuring myself with others. I'm just, exactly. Yeah, I'm just going to. It's yeah. not easy, but I know. I know. It, it's, it's not easy, but because you always compare yourself and say, okay, if somebody else already wrote mm -hmm. about this topic, why should I add to it? And then I'm thinking, well, no, actually, nobody wrote it from my perspective because there's only one me, you know, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and not everybody has to like what I'm writing, you know, maybe people can hate it, not like it, love it. I start to think I don't really care. It does. That's not what matters. If I can touch even one person, that's enough for me. Yeah, it's, it's what I did with Migration Lab and everything right from the beginning. I said, if one person will understand or will feel something or will transform in any way then it's 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 worth what i'm what i'm doing it's also what we thought when we started this podcast remember we we're like yeah what if True. nobody listens and i'm like okay well first there will like, be people who will not listen yeah who will not yeah. like it and so on but it's fine i mean and first it's fun for us to do it i love talking to you like this if that's the only reason for me to do it that's mm -hmm. fine we share some thoughts with the world that we hope can empower certain people can make people think or inspire. just make them laugh inspire maybe they laugh at us like they ha ha listen to these two two girls talking about topics uh, they don't master <laughs> well yeah I mean again I'm, I'm trying to be kind with myself you know what I'm trying to be kinder with myself yeah and, and like allowing myself to have certain process trying out things and mm -hmm. failing at things it's okay it's fine it's a very important thing that you said Fa failing it, it is okay but it's it's uh it's not easy when you are sort of perfectionist which we kind of both are yes we don't really like to fail so <laughs> We are going crazy about uh, about every project we are doing and, and to have it well done and professionally done. But I wanted to add something as well to what you just said earlier about comparing to others and uh, the fact that you write poetry and you don't believe that you or you don't dare to call yourself a poet, although you are writing poetry and you were even share this with uh, the wider public. Because I had the same kind of issue with calling myself a social designer because I didn't study design and I thought to myself, and what I do at Migration Lab has a social design aspect as well. I didn't dare to call myself a social designer until recently when I was invited to, to speak at a conference at the Domus Academy in Milan. The famous Alice Rothorn, critic, designer and contributor to New York Times, presented me in front of all the people there, a crowd made of architects and, and designers. And every time she mentioned my name, she was calling me a social designer. And it was at that particular moment... I was looking around and said, yes, I, I think I am, because it's kind of uh, recognized by, by 
professional uh, people in, in that particular industry. And I was very touched after the, the talk when some designers came and congratulated me for what I'm doing at Migration Lab. And there was a particular professor there at the Domus Academy who told me, what you do is my dream as a designer. And this was for me, like, let me cup myself from the floor because <laughs> oh, I, I couldn't believe that you know so when you start to compare yourself with other um, other people the society maybe makes us think like that you know that you didn't study a particular subject you don't master it it means you are not a professional in that field. Although I think nowadays people have a lot of talents and maybe they didn't have the chance to study a particular subject, but they are just doing it and they are doing it very well. And as you said, it's each other's perspective on particular things. And it is okay to call yourself a poet, to call myself a social designer. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting you said about recognition. Huh? If somebody else mm -hmm. calls you that, you, yeah. you can then embrace it. And I feel it's always, we don't feel like we have to write to call ourselves this or that. And we wait for other people to recognize it first, which is okay as well. I mean, I've been doing this all my life as well. You know, I, I, I didn't mm -hmm. dare call myself a writer for so long. And somebody else had to call me a writer. And, you know, uh, two years ago, I was even called an artist, something I would have never liked because I did an exhibition of vi visual work. Yes. And, and I'm like, yeah, sure. That actually I would call somebody else who's doing that an artist, but I, I didn't call myself an yeah. artist, but I was presented as one of the artists of the exhibition. And I'm like, again, but it's, it's all nice, you know, when people describe your work, but I don't really care actually how I describe myself. I, I don't care that much. If people ask, when people, you know, you're at a party, they ask, what do you do? That's of course difficult. You're like, I say, yes. yeah, I'm a freelancer working in arts and culture and literature. That's, yeah. well, you know, just I give them the domain in which exactly I work and, very and I'm yeah, freelancing short to the point. So what does that mean? I'm freelancing is like I can do whatever, <laughs> and I'm trying to earn money. <laughs> no, but it's it's interesting because uh, yeah, it's true. You don't care about that. The people in the industry identified a lot with what I was doing, so you you got approached by these people, and they need they feel the need to to also put you in a particular segment. You know, it's like what you I I was at workshops with architects and designers, and everybody there was an architect or designer. They studied this, and then they asked me, so uh, what is your background? And I was like, oh my god, if I would start now to tell you I studied foreign languages but then I worked in in communication and now I'm doing this entrepreneurial uh, thing migration lab so it's completely different I'm not from that industry in in the sense of being uh, following strictly the the, the steps uh, but, but it's also okay I mean they were like oh that that's cool actually it's like you have a, such a enriching background completely different and so on so yeah. um The, the fact that people uh, feel the need to identify you, in, in, to, to put you in, in a particular segment, you know, you are at a conference or you are at an event. Oh, you must be a professor, an academic, or you must be a designer, or you must be a poet. Or you must... And actually, nowadays, I think people are so much more, so yeah. many more things. Uh, exactly. And, and I love that. I love that, you know, 10 years or 20 years ago, maybe you 
didn't have that much opportunity to to have the courage to start exploring different fields. I think what matters as well, and that's what I recognize in you, and I think we both have that, and many people I I know I work with have that. It's not really what you do, it's why you do it. We have an urge in us, and we care about certain things. And those things we care about, is, you know, they are reflected in every single thing we do. So in my case, that's also how I try to present myself on my website. Like, okay, I do this, 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 but there's one thread that that brings everything together is that I care about this topic. I'm a feminist. I fight against exclusions. I fight for diversity. I care about bringing different voices to the table. I care about freedom of expression. Whatever I do is fueled by all these things I care about. But it's true. We are doers. We don't think beforehand. Oh, uh, you know, when I started Migration Lab, I didn't think, oh, uh, I want to be a designer or whatever, you know. How should I label myself? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, it, ha- it was very interesting because I started Migration Lab. I was doing that. And then it had the time came to actually communicate about what I what I did then you start to think oh what is it that what I'm doing you know so you start to slowly put yourself into into segments categories and then so on but um, we started by doing things and because we cared about particular topics and things and then afterwards it doesn't matter how this is called. It's important for others to know where to get you from, or I don't know how to express this. You, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I see what you mean because it's, it's sometimes people need to not yeah. to put you in a box. Some people want to put no. you in a box, but some people yeah. want to understand not, what you do. Exactly, they want to understand. It's yeah. not about putting you in a box. Exactly, it's, it's because they want to understand what you do, who you are. And exactly, that. and you know. Because, for instance, in my case, because I do this work in different languages, we talk about yeah. audiences. So I have different audiences. And all of them know, they each know different things about me. All of them know I'm a feminist. All of them know yeah. I, I, I care about diversity. You know, all of them know these basic things, no matter what I do. So the, the audience at Labyrinth, they heard one of my poems. They know yes. I'm the daughter of a migrant family. And they mm-hmm. know I care about migration and representation because that was in my poem, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. now people who are going to read my book next in 2019, Indeed. hopefully, uh, yeah. they're going to know all of this. I'm pretty transparent. If you just look yeah. online, the things I post, it's pretty clear what kind of politics I'm into, what topics I like to share, uh, what kind of process I have. I'm not hiding behind anything. So actually, it's not that difficult to figure me out. (laughs) (laughs) You think? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If people come to one of your living rooms, one of your events, they will understand. Of course. And also if they go online and on the website and and Mm. so on, they, they will understand very well what's all about and uh also my story it's it's out there i've Mm. I've been sharing why i've been doing this Mm. why i started all this so um yeah it's it's yeah it's it's the same it's the same transparency and uh it's important i think to be so open yeah and so transparent that's what allows sharing that's what allows the possibility of solidarity and this is key i think especially in those days really really bad situations in many different countries Mm -hmm. 
we need each other. We need to know that there are people thinking like us. Many people say, yeah, but we talk to the people who have the same opinions. Yeah, maybe, but I need to hear those opinions. I need to know there are people thinking like me to feel empowered. I need that. Yes, and I think it's also what I've been experienced with Migration Lab as well, with the living rooms, the spaces of encounter between people. Is that even if the people, the majority of people who came uh, to these events are thinking the same like us, they felt very inspired. They started to do projects or started to do things that matter to them in their own locality. And then for me, that was important because um, they became, uh, in a way, multipliers of what I was doing in a different way or for a particular subject that they cared about. So it's not like you are talking or you, you're doing this for nothing because it's the same, they think the same as they are only there's only a crowd which are like-minded i i know that i had this from particular certain people as well this this kind of observations like uh, the living rooms are only attracting so to say crowds that are always open to the subjects that we are discussing and we need to go beyond that it is true and i've been trying to do that and i've been i've been to neighborhoods which were uh, a bit more disadvantaged or or uh, there were a lot of different difficulties for people there and a bit far away, so to say, from downtown, at the edge of the town. And it's not easy. So I've been trying to do that. But nevertheless, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter in the end who is in there, if they relate to what is going on in that space. Even if they don't relate, they go and talk to other people. It generates a discussion. It generates sometimes new projects, new way of thinking. I think it's more important to address even to crowds that are thinking the same as we do, then not doing anything, you know. Coming back to the idea of we talk to people who are like-minded. Yeah. They're not always it's... 100% like-minded. No, I mean, Jana, for the, and you know this, I've been sharing this with you a lot of times. Most of the prejudices and stereotypes and the most idiotic reactions... Uh, I had from people educated, very educated, very privileged, and so on. And I've been saying this as whenever, you know, in, in some conferences where wherever I'm invited to speak, because it's again this question of, oh, yes, but you are addressing to the same uh, like-minded people. And then I say, no, actually, the most hurtful things I've, I've heard came from very educated people. So I know these, these, these conversations, they need to, to take place with everybody. There's no education level difference or some should get more of these conversations going and others not. No, I think it's literally everyone. Totally. So we are going this year to <laughs> fight for this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to continue talking. I, I really want us to continue the podcast. So we hope listeners out there, you like the podcast. I know it's only episode three, but yes. we are planning to continue uh, Not Loud Enough because simply, really, we believe that we can never be loud enough about things we care about. Yes. So and this, subjects and, and causes we care about. Exactly. So we can never and be loud enough about all that. So we, we want to continue this. Yeah. And I feel more energized now, actually, after we record it. Yeah. Because I, I don't have much energy at the moment, as mm. I was sharing at the beginning. And uh, it's, it's hard to get back into, to, into the rhythm. And I have a huge to-do list. And, and, and it's, it's hard only looking at it. <laughs> 
but um, I know also that a way to to overcome that is is just allowing yourself to to be tired, as you mentioned as well, to be kind with yourself and just allowing yourself a few days. And I know that after, if I take a bit of time afterwards, I come back. Let's remind our listeners where can they find us? I don't know. <laughs> so our listeners can find us as usual on Twitter at NLE Podcast, on Facebook at uh, Not Loud Enough Podcast. Also, if you would like to write us, you can do so at Not Loud Enough Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. And remember, we can never be loud enough about issues we care about. Have a wonderful year, everybody. And see you soon. Back to the cows. <laughs> when you look at my sketchbook, you know, because it's yeah. a copy paste and stuff, and, you know, I, I'm just copying, collaging stuff. It looks like, you know, the walls of serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <they're... laughs> the day I die, someone who's going to find all this is going to say, this woman was crazy. <laughs> no, but you know, I wanted to say that the police also has a wall. <laughs> for solving the case you know so don't you can you can think of yourself on the other side not the criminal mind necessarily you know oh thank you you know i said it like that i didn't think about it that way thank you (laughs) your evil mind yes you see how how we can be harsh with ourselves sometimes Hard time.